I've been on it. Uh, this will be the sixth, sixth one that I've done on this. And uh, I'm going to close this up. I had thought to make it do a few other things with it, but as I looked at some of this last of it, I was like, well, this kind of runs together, so I'm going to mix it together. But um, I'm going to read these scriptures. I will hasten through them, but make my points as it goes. Second Peter 3, 9 <clears throat> through 18. The Lord's not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, he really wants everybody to be saved. He really does. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we should want everybody to be saved too. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? In all holy conversation, godliness, looking for, hasting to the coming of the day of the Lord God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens, new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. Everybody say, be diligent. Be diligent. That you may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. That's where we got to the last time. And I will close this now today with the rest of these scriptures so you can be mindful as I read them. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given to him, hath written unto you. As also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, before beware lest you also being led away, the heir of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Lord, I ask you to help us today. Open our hearts, our spirit, that we can receive what you have for us, God. Just ask you to move and to touch and to bless, Lord. In Jesus' name. Church, say amen been talking about the day of the Lord and how it is at hand. I believe that we are every day getting closer and closer. And I know that's, we, we say that all the time, but in reality, if you don't come back for 100 years, every day we're getting closer, right? But I think that every day is, we see the realization that we literally can see it in our lifetime. And... Um, I just want to quickly just kind of recap what we've been doing and talking about. Peter said, look, we know the day of the Lord's coming. He don't want anybody to be lost, but we know that he's coming. So if that's the case, what kind of person should we do be in holy conversation? That's our behavior, especially when dealing with other people. We talked about godliness, how we need to be aware of God, the fact that he is sovereign. He's in control of everything, and he should be in control of every aspect of our life. Sister uh, uh, Hussey said a few minutes ago that he should have veto in our life. But he doesn't have veto in everybody's life. 
but he should have. He is a gentleman, and he will not veto your life if you don't give him that, that uh, obligation and let him do that. But we should realize he is sovereign, and he can say no. And yes, and yeah, that's okay. But this godliness, it's, it's thinking, it, it's shaped by our, our knowledge of God, who we recognize of who he is. We talked about, as a child of God, born-again believer, that we should be very hopeful and aware that Jesus, he could really come any day. I believe that he can. And we should live every day as if that today were the day that he's going to come. How would we live if we thought and we lived every day like, this could be the day. It would change us. And it should cause us to be looking for it. Hasting unto his coming. We talked about how when we uh, see our text that Peter told us to look for and to haste for that coming. Be excited about it. Now, I want to see Corbin grow up. I want to see other grandkids. But I am also excited about God coming back. And the farther we get into this, the more I am excited the fact that this is really going to happen. He's really going to come back. But in essence, what Peter was really telling us, look, don't be so focused on this world, but keep eternity in your mind. This is what he was saying here. And then last week we focused on uh, verses 14 where it said, you know, be, be diligent that you may be found in him peace without spot and blameless. And that means that uh, knowing that he's coming, that we should be diligent in pursuing a peace that keeps our mind, our conscience, clear before God and before men that we don't have nothing I don't have anything between me and you and I don't have anything between me and God and I have a good clear conscience that's that's where we was at last week and this this important and that we should diligently persevere and maintain the fact that the hope that he is coming and with us knowing that he's coming that we we need to keep that clear conscience and this is where we pick back up at verse 15 tonight. And if you could throw that back up there, Jake, and th about 15, wherever that may be. And I'm going to cover these last verses here. And he said, His account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, according to wisdom given to him, hath written to you. Now, as I talked about diligently preserving are persevering for us to have peace in our conscience with God and with man, Peter is also telling us to diligently persevere and for us to develop a heart for the lost. This is what he's saying here. Peter's letting us know that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. And I think what he's trying to tell us here is that, hey, I've not come back yet because there are still hungry souls that need and want salvation. Amen. He's saying, I want you to be anxious. I want you to live like I could come any day. But realize that since I haven't come yet, don't mistake me to say, oh, I forgot about, my, about me coming. No, there's still people that's hungry. There's still people that need salvation and want salvation. And as, and as an end-time saint, we've got to see that there are souls that's going to be lost for eternity, Sister Janet. 
And we can't get so wrapped up in this world that we forget that people are going to go to hell. And think this is what he was saying here. Don't mistake in the fact that he hasn't come yet, that he's just delaying it for whatever reason. No, for you to have fun a little longer or, or finish that Netflix binge, your show you've been watching that's 10 seasons. You're going to watch it in 10 weeks. and It happens. Sometimes people watch it in 10 hours, right? Now, I don't know if it's possible. But... but He's going back to what he said in verse 3 and 9 when he said, The Lord's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But he said, He is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This, he's just trying to explain that he is delaying. If he seems to be delaying his coming, it is he's patiently waiting for sinners to come to repentance. Let me tell you, there's room in the church for more. Now, we have some empty seats here today, but even if we had full seats, there's still room for sinners to come. And we see in these verses that that thought is we can't get caught up with our own problems, that we're crying for God just to come back and just to to bail, bail us out of whatever we're dealing with and forget about the loss. I can promise you, in 15 years of pastoring, 50 years of life, and you know you've been there too, there's been times that Sister Hussey said it, well, I go, Lord, just take me. I'm ready to go. Get me out of this. But that, that becomes a, a selfish mentality in us that we're not careful, and we forget about we're, we're saying, oh, God, go ahead and take me out of this when my neighbor might be going to hell and they really need me just to befriend them and love them and, and, and try my best to get, uh, uh, let them get close enough to me or get close to them that they'll agree to Bible study. They'll agree to come to church with me. They'll agree. They'll just realize that, hey, you know, them church people are really not a jerk. And the reason God has not come back is that He is patiently waiting for people to repent. Matthew 24 and 14, it said, In this gospel the kingdom shall be preached to all the world for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. This message has got to be preached everywhere. And we've never been any closer to the place that we can do that. We've seen that in 2020. I believe the gospel message went out more in 2020 than it ever has in the entire world. When they shut the churches down and we begin to do online, yeah, it's not like being in church, but still, the word of God went out there. A seed was planted. And we can't be like the mummy that they found 4,000 years ago, okay? I just read about this this week. They found a mummy 4,000 years ago. And when they looked in his hands, he had seeds in his hands. And was buried with the seeds. And the truth of the matter is, that seed could be planted, even though 4,000 years old, could be planted and they would still grow. 
And the seed, praise God, I think this is what I'm probably going to be going to before too long. I'm going to get to talking about, about what the seed is and, and, and reading and, and reading this book. It, it, there's two types of seeds. It's the Word of God's a seed, and, and also we are the seed. And I'll get on that a little bit later. I'm hoping to start a series on that. But, but listen to me. It's important. We've got to get the seed out there, and we've got to get a hold of some people, and we've got to, we've got to plant because Jesus is coming back, and he still wants to take the gospel to every nation. And listen, we all got trials. I know what some of you have went through. Some of y'all know what we have went through. But we cannot, we cannot let that be, get us bogged down because trials are nothing compared to what the eternal punishment of what some people are going to go through if they don't get Jesus in their life. And yes, we're fighting hell. And yes, we're fighting situations. But if they don't make it and they're not born again, they're going to burn forever. So Peter is telling us not to get focused off on ourselves and, and, and onto the, the needs that, that, that we only have. And we need to make sure that they hear the message of the good news that, that you can be saved. The gospel does still say you can be born again of water and of spirit. Yeah. It was Paul speaking to his son in the gospel in 2 Timothy 2 and 10. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In the end time saint, we need this attitude that Paul is talking about. He said, he basically saying, you know, this is the reason I endure all things for the sake of those who's chosen, those who, who God's called, so that they can get salvation. Because when Jesus comes back, it shouldn't only mean salvation for us. But it should also mean salvation for those that we've helped along the way. For those that we have shared our witness and our testimony with. And those that we have given Bible studies to. And those that we've just been a good friend to. And It shouldn't be just only us. And any pain, anything that we have to endure through trials right now will be more than worth it when we get to heaven. And those that have been saved because of our sacrifice comes and finds you and says, Brother David, thank you for telling me about Jesus. Sister Janet, thank you for telling me about Jesus. Sister Penny, thank you for taking a Saturday and giving a Bible study to me and helping me, hallelujah, know what it means to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. David Livingston, who spent his life enduring all kinds of hardship just to take the gospel to Africa. He wrote in the Global Prayer Digest on July in 1984. He said, for my part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office as a missionary. People talk of the sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply paid back? as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward and health, uh, helpful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is, 
empathetically no sacrifice. Say rather, it's a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger. Now and then with the foregoing of the common conveniences of charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All those are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. Wow. That is a powerful concept that seems to be so foreign to so many of us in the church. So, as the end time saint, we need to persevere. And we need to make sure that God's focus is our focus. And His focus, Brother Texas, has always been souls. His focus has always been that His house would be full. His focus has always been about the harvest. There's never been a problem with the harvest. There's always been an issue with the laborers. And Jesus has not come. He's not returned yet. But he is patiently waiting for the laws to come. And if our focus is on reaching sinners with the gospel, our trials shouldn't seem so big. But I know on my part, a lot of times they do. I'll be transparent with you tonight. Many times I get selfish and think, well, God, blah, 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 wah, 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 wah. I know he hears that, right? He does for me. When there's somebody beside me going to hell. And he's patiently waiting for them. Or is he patiently waiting for me? So we got to diligently persevere. It's perseverance. It rests on us maintaining the hope, the fact that he's coming. And holiness is necessary for us to have that clear conscience. A clear conscience of God with God and other men. This is why he throws that in there of that peace. Because if I can keep a clear conscience with God and a clear conscience with other men, then I can keep a clear heart for what God really wants me to have. And that's a heart for the lost. And Peter goes on to drive this home by saying, Just as our beloved Paul, brother Paul, according to wisdom given to him, wrote to you, in his letters, speaking in things, speaking of them in these things, which are some things are hard to understand. <laughs> but, you know, I've thought about this a lot. Why Peter said this. And why he said this in this text. But, but we see Paul and Peter both write about the need for holiness when you're looking in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming back. And here's the thing with holiness. People get so caught up when you talk about holiness that it's, it's only a dress thing. It's not. It is, it is. What I just said is it's keeping a clear conscience with God and a clear conscience with man. It's keeping our, our hearts pure. And it, it gets that part of us and it manifests itself everywhere, not just on the outside of the body, but everywhere. Where we talk, this is what this whole entire thing is about, the end time saint, where we're living this life of, of, of 
wholeness with a holy God and having the focus of what God wants because what God wants is for us to not be focused on ourselves so much but focused on the lost. Amen. And we see Paul and Peter run this stuff together talking about when, we're talk when he, they're talking about the fact that Jesus is coming that, that we got to keep our focus and our holiness right. And, and we see a lot of times that Paul warned about the dangers, the fact there's a lot of false teachers out there. We see, we see him say this a lot. So for Peter to reference, say something about Paul and Paul's writings and, and the fact that Paul had wrote and there was letters no doubt circulating among the churches. Peter was writing to these same churches and made a mention the fact that how Paul you know, he was inspired by the word. It, it seems that Peter's trying to say that me and Paul were, were on the same mind with these things, okay? Because Peter, he, he lets us know that, the, that Paul's writings are they're, they're inspired by the wisdom of God. So they're, they're, they're like the rest of the scriptures out there. They're, he, he's, he's letting us know when he said the wisdom that was given to him. And we see Paul say that a lot of times through the scriptures, how he, how he says, you know what, this didn't come by me, this, this come from God. And so, in looking at this, trying to figure this out, we, I see that some of the commentaries think that probably the false teachers were taking Paul's letters and taking his doctrine that God justifies the ungodly by faith only. And wrongly giving it to people, saying, therefore, it doesn't matter whether we live holy lives or not. And, and many think that they may have been twisting Paul's teaching up that were not under the law to justify their immorality. Okay? Don't, don't let me lose you here. I'm still talking about souls here, all right? They may have been taking his teaching. This is the commentaries I'm, I'm studying and reading about this taking his teachings on God's grace to argue that we can continue in sin that grace may increase. It may abound in our lives. They think that they may have been perverting Paul's letters because sometimes his stuff is hard to understand, right? Perverted the truth of God's love to argue that he's not going to judge everybody in the sinners. And as an end time saint, we need to use what Peter is saying here to help us be careful not to use the Bible to justify our sins. But to allow the Bible to confront our sins. And Peter says that some of Paul's writings are difficult to understand. So if Peter, who walked with Jesus, says, some of Paul's writings are hard to understand, makes me feel a little better. Because <laughs> he had issues with understanding it. So sometimes I might have issues. It, all right, that makes me not feel so dumb, right? But the truth, known, truth be known today, sometimes what Peter's wrote, maybe not as easy to understand. And what this one wrote is maybe not easy to understand. And there's a lot of scriptures that may not be easy to understand. But the scriptures on the matter of salvation 
is clear. All right? Now, there are some issues that are more difficult. For example, what I've been talking about, about the fact that the second coming of Jesus. I'm going to tell you, it is very clear that Jesus is coming, right? He's coming back in power and glory, and he's going to judge everybody that becomes his enemy by not getting involved. All right? But the details of prophecy are not real clear. We don't. I mean, you, according to who you want to talk to. Some think he's going to come before the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation. I just want to tell you, you better be ready, all right? He's coming back. That's what I can tell you. And we better be ready. But what is for sure tonight is that if we use the Bible properly, or if we use it improperly, the difference between them two is the fact that somebody may go to heaven or somebody may go to hell. And this is the whole point, I think, that Peter was trying to say, that these false teachers are trying to distort, trying to mess up the Scriptures to their own destruction. You still got that up there? Uh, yeah, right there. There's also Paul, according to the wisdom given to him that written to you, is also in all the epistles speaking to them of things, of these things, which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other Scriptures unto their own destructions. This is what he's trying to say. This isn't just a, a, a matter of a slight difference of opinion here. It's a matter of, hey, we've got to know him. We've got to know his holiness. And it, Peter's telling us, look, it may be hard to understand, but you've got to get this in your mindset because it could be the difference between somebody going to heaven and somebody going to hell. So as an end time saint, we have got to fall in love with the word of God, fall in love with these scriptures, praise God, and know what we believe. I'm going to preach this word I have for 15 years in this church and I have for 25 years of my life preached nothing but the word of God. I try not to preach my ideals, hallelujah, but what I will tell you to do is you better get that Bible yourself and you better study it for yourself. If I tell you that there's one God, don't take me, don't take my word for it. You get in that scripture and you dig it out and you figure out for yourself that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. You get in that scripture yourself and you dig it out and you figure out that the only way to be baptized is in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the Holy Ghost Amen. not when you believe but when you speak in tongues. Amen. Amen. And that's not a place to quit. Amen. Now, these men were using the Bible to deceive others, to justify their own sins. They were, they, were, they were heading for eternal destruction. And we got people in this world that's there right now. But if we're going to be an end time saint, we've got to go beyond that. Because sound doctrinal major issues really do matter. There's some things that there's isms and schisms, and, and we're not going to agree on everything. Okay, me, I said here a while back, me and my wife don't agree on everything. Me and my kids don't agree. Me and you don't agree on everything, all right? But let's agree on some major doctrinal issues, and let's get in the Word of God, because when you deny who Jesus is, it can and will send people to hell. And when we decide that He is God, it can and will help people get to heaven. Amen. That's right. 
And the subject of being born again in the water, being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, there cannot be no isms and schisms in that. We've got to nail this down. And this is what Peter was trying to say. There's people out there that is trying their best to take the hard things that Paul said and twist it up to make it believe anything they want to believe and they can live any way they want to live. And what he's saying to us as an end time saint, we cannot do that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that's exactly what people are doing. Amen. And as an end time saint, we must hold diligently to the truths of the word of God. Because there's truths in here. There's treasures in the word of God. And right now, it is being so twisted in this world. Go to, go to 17, Jacob. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. He said, look, you see these things, now you beware. Lest you also fall away with the air of their wickedness of twisting the word of God up. I'm going to tell you right now, you've got to be careful what you watch. You've got to be careful what you listen to. You've got to be careful who you hang out with. Because I want to tell you what, we hang around the right person, the right things, that's listening and doing the wrong things. This can become us. We'll be led away with the air of the wicked, and we will fall from our what? Own steadfastness. You know what that steadfastness is? Persistence. Our own determination, our, our own desire to, I've got to make heaven my home. Yes. Right? Amen. He said, but grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. There's no doubt as we get close to the final days, we can't fall from that steadfastness. And it's easy. Just a little frustration, a little aggravation, are just a little too close to the wrong person. Are just a little too involved in the wrong activity. And it can wrest our minds away from what God has really called us to be. And as an end time saint, we've got... That's why that last part there is so important. But grow in grace. Grace is not a license to sin. It is not a license of sin. Not at all. And when we really know what grace is, the Bible calls it manifold grace. There's many facets, many parts of grace. It's a lot more than just that unmerited favor. There's so much to grace. And that's why he said, you grow in grace. And he, he, he tagged it to something else. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, if... As we get close to this, you've got to grow in grace because some people just get stopped. They stop at grace. Oh, I don't deserve to be. 
I don't deserve salvation, but he gave it to me anyway. Well, it goes farther than that. Yeah, I didn't deserve it. But as Mr. Livingston said a while ago, and what I read, he's like, we got to let that grace go on and realize, I don't even deserve any of this stuff. And it don't even need to be a, it don't even need to be a sacrifice to my life. This just needs to be who I am. Amen. And we got to continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. We got to grow. Know him better. Get to know him better. Peter closes it with, with this, and I, I'm going to close this series and this thing tonight with this. He closes it with this. He, he, he said, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to say, to him, speaking of Jesus, be glory both now and forever. Amen. And as an end time saint, we cannot know God, but not glorify God. I heard that statement today by um, Brother Ken Gurley. He made that statement. He said, we cannot be at the place that we know God, but we don't glorify God. Because we are deceiving ourselves if we do that. Because we think we know him. That's going to be them people that's going to stand before him. Lord, did, did, I not, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do this and that? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And this is a, a little bit long scripture, but I want you to hear this. And I'm going to close with this tonight. This is Paul writing in Romans. And he said, because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful. And look what happened. This, this is the picture of the end time sinner. Okay? I've been talking about the end time saint. I've been talking to you about what it should look like. But let, let me give you the picture of the end time sinner. And here's the thing. Everyone's saved now. Okay? There's not hardly anybody you can invite to church that don't go to church and they're not saved. And they'll not say, oh, I'm going to go be with my, my whoever who's passed away. And, and we're not the judge, okay? But here a while back, is that I, I done a funeral for a co-worker and, and admittedly he said, I'm not saved. You don't find that too much. But yet his kids can't wait to go see daddy in heaven someday. All right? This is just what I'm saying. This is, but this is it, okay? But they that knew their God, they, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts, four-footed beasts and creeping things. Listen to what happens though. Wherefore God also gave them up to their uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Okay? I know it'll get me thrown in jail someday. It's okay, but we're talking about 
we're, we're leading into homosexuality with this, okay? This is our generation who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that, what, that recompense and their error which was me. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with, this is it, all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debates, deceitful, malignant, even whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, uh, despiteful, proud boasters, inventor of the evil things, disobedience of parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only to do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And the danger that we are going to face if we don't keep this focus that I've been talking about as this end time saint is that if we're not careful, we'll profess to know God. But we won't glorify God. Okay? And here today. We're seeing it. And we have seen it. We have seen it. And us as an end time saint, I close this with this. These last scriptures right here. Put that last verse up there again. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Glory. What you and I are called to to do as an end time saint is to bring glory to his name in them scriptures I read out of Romans the very first part of that because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God and when we quit taking and giving God the glory and we try to give ourselves the glory everything I read beyond that you are not incapable of doing that I have seen some incredible preachers incredible saints who got their mind off from God and they quit giving him glory both now and for forever and sister Janet take them down roads that just left me like wow been some preachers that has preached me to my knees I can't even listen to them same sermons that put me on the knees because of where they are now there's been saints 
that I thought, man, they got it. And then only to hear things later, it's like, wow. What happened? They quit glorifying God. Let me tell you how you glorify God. Right? When your life, when your life brings glory to Him, remember as my kids were growing up one particular instant I had a co-worker had passed away and we were at he was kind of young it was kind of sudden so there's a long line to go view the body my kids I don't remember how old they were but they were in the line with us for a little while when I got to work the next I don't know if it was the next day or I don't know exactly was but either the next next time I was able to go back to work some of the guys come to me and said man your kids to stand in that line so long was one of the most well behaved kids I've ever seen I'm thinking you you didn't come to my house but the, the point I'm making is that was just a reflection the way they were doing it reflected to their mother. Alright? Not to me. She's the one homeschooled and done all that stuff. She was incredible with them. But they brought glory, really, to the parents because being kids, that don't happen, alright? That takes somebody being diligent, somebody training, somebody... And th this is what I'm talking about today. Our lives is meant to bring glory to and when we're not doing that, we're not being the end time saint. I don't want to know him and not bring glory to him. And as an end time saint, this is what Peter is saying. Look, what kind of person are you supposed to be? We can sum it all six of these up together like this. We ought to be the saint that brings glory to God and not ourselves. We ought to be the type of person that when somebody looks at us and they see us going through trials or they see us whatever in our life they look at us and like wow why are you different and you can look at them and say it's not me it's Jesus on the inside working on the outside so I'm done we can find a place and talk to the Lord for a few moments tonight my goal here tonight is for us to realize that the best way I can bring glory to God amen this life, share this message, and not get sidetracked all the